Listen, I think this week we start with a joke. So, Eli, knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow who? Moo! <laughs> what the heck? So from that, we should transition to what we're talking about this week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome back. And today... We are joined by two guests who are replacing Chris for today's episode. Uh, Ryan, Kevin, do you guys want to introduce yourself? My name is Ryan. I'm a sophomore at University of Texas. I'm one of Josh's roommates, and I met Eli through Josh, and so I'm happy to be here. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Kevin? And then, yeah, so my name is Kevin. I'm also a sophomore uh, at UT, and I'm another one of Josh's roommates, and yeah, I met Eli through Josh as well. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, nice. And, and just, yeah, it should be good, uh, some context for people listening. We're all on this, like, video call here, and everyone is trying very hard not to, not to laugh. Because uh, it's a very goofy, goofy situation all around. It's but new yeah. to me. It's new. Yeah, podcasting. It's new to all of us. This is our third episode. This, uh, I think we should mention this is the first ever guest on Minimally Edited. So you guys should feel very, very lucky. I feel very lucky. And yes. depending on your performance today, uh, we'll decide if we will ever have any more guests. So, so yeah. <laughs> it's a, a lot, lot, lot riding on this, you know. And uh, maybe a you'll get a return offer. This. Who knows? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, we, we do have a topic for today, but uh, first I wanted to talk briefly about something that, that something I thought about during the week. Um, I've been listening to Simu Liu's uh, autobiography. It's like called We Were Dreamers or something like that. It's basically his life story. And there's a huge section of that book dedicated to like his parents' story. And his parents are born in China and like they came to the United States for higher education. What are you guys doing? All right, yeah, but they came Kevin, to the United States for well. higher education. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, like But uh, I just thought it was interesting. Like, um, his parents' story, I think, is very similar to, like, my parents' story. And I know it's probably similar to Josh, Josh your parents' story. Maybe not Ryan's mm-hmm. parents, because your parents were born in the United States, right? Yeah, my mom was born in uh, Taiwan. But, she, yeah, she did move to the U.S. pretty early on. So I would say, like, she was raised in the U.S., it's very Americanized, okay. but yeah. Okay, interesting. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I think that in the book, Simu Liu's parents had like a very similar life experience to, to my parents and to like a lot of my friends' parents. And it just got me thinking like, I think this has, it, this is a big reason why a lot of my friends are like very similar to me. It's because their parents, our parents have had like similar experiences. Like coming to the United States with like very little money, being forced into a situation where you have to make it, right? Like, they can't really go back to China at this point. They spend all like, their savings to come to the United States. They don't really have any money and they just have to make it work. Um, I think that's a very transformative life experience. And I think that our, my friend's parents sharing that is like, it trickles down into how they raise their kids. And like, that's, I think my theory, working theory is that that's part of the reason why a lot of my friends are similar to me. Just curious uh, what you guys thought about that. No, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Um, so I know like Josh always talks about like how his like the way his parents came to the US like shaped his identity. And I think my parents have like a, a very similar story and like they were born in China. Um, they came here for with like very little stuff. They like got their a lot of their higher education here, like worked like minimum wage jobs to like afford the education. And then my parents moved to like Big Spring, Texas, 
which is like out in West Texas near like Odessa and like that's like so different from so like they're from Beijing so like it's like a like the capital of China like super urbanized compared to like Big Spring which has like definitely no Chinese population yeah very Shangsha <laughs> exactly and like they had to adapt because my dad was like working for like a fiberglass company there so like going through that process my parents definitely always talked about their experience while coming here and like how like if you just put your head down and work like you can like achieve all of that like the things you want mm. i think that's interesting um like something my friend another one of our friends uh, and i talked about before is like the idea of advocating for yourself in the workplace and so this is like a little different from what we were talking about earlier but like coming down from a lineage of immigrants it's hard to like advocate for yourself um in the workplace i think I think um, if you talk to like your parents, they might have a difficult time asking for like a promotion or something because of that same mindset where, you know, you put your head down and work and other people will recognize your hard work. But obviously a lot of times that's not true. And a lot of times in company politics, you have to advocate yourself in order to actually climb the rankings of the corporate ladder. Um, And so like, I think that's something that I've noticed in like, um, like, yes, we're we're all privileged, but I think that's something that trickled down. That's like a kind of a side effect of, coming from a parent, uh, like a family of immigrants. Yeah, I think in general, like that, that kind of quality is, is like definitely like an Asian value. Um, Cause like, even though like my, my parents directly, like I would say I'm almost like a generation ahead of you guys, where meaning that like my grandparents were like your parents in terms of <laughs> like, in terms of they, like my grandparents moved or were born in China and they were the ones who immigrated to America. And so, it is a little different, but I think a lot of the values and experiences that like, you guys talk about with your parents have kind of like trickled down through my parents and then to me. So a lot of the values still stuck. And, and I think that's why we're able to connect so closely with each other. Yeah, I think that's so cool because Eli, Chris, Kevin and I are all like similar to your dad, right? We were all like grew up in this area. Like yeah. Eli, Chris and I grew up in the exact same county as your dad which mm-hmm. is really, really cool. I think it's cool because, you know, by, by correlation, I'm basically Ryan's dad in that sense. So, <laughs> Ryan, I think. That's a little weird. That's, I mean, if you were to like that, it's a little weird. But yeah, okay. Yeah, no, Ryan, I'm basically that. your dad. What? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I definitely think it, it, um, it trickled down even to multiple generations because, you know, I can tell like Ryan has a similar, you know, just mindset towards like uh, ambition, like hard work, life, like like, like those kinds of values. And I think that stems from the experience of our parents and grandparents uh, immigrating over to this country and like having, being put through that transformative experience. Yeah, but uh, today's topic, we're talking about dating apps and relationships. The background for this topic is, all right, so Josh knows for the past year or something like that, I've been I've been uh, trying to convert Josh on the idea that it's very valuable to have an online presence, right? Would, would mm. you would you say like that? I've been doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so as a result of that, I now have a blog. You guys can subscribe to it on my website, uh, which is joshho.com. <laughs> if you guys would like to see okay. it, yeah. Yeah, no free club. No, we're, we're not doing sponsors yet. Um, Are you gonna right, yeah, that so out? Josh, <laughs> maybe we can leave it in. But um, I wanted to ask you. From, from listening to me, like, just, like, ramble for, like, the past year, what, what would you say, like, to summarize? What are the, the primary value propositions of having an online presence? Yeah, I think um, something pretty funny is that it's, like, what you brought up to us, like, last week, 
about uh, someone asked you for your address. You asked her, or you asked the person whether it was your crypto address or your uh, <laughs> physical address. Um, so, like, kind of like that, right? Like, so there's a, a way to portray yourself online that's different from you in your physical world. Um, and I think that's super interesting because if you read my blog, you might think I'm the, the smartest person or like the dumbest person like ever, but then you meet me okay. and then you might have your, your opinion completely flipped. Um, no, but I think, uh, I think it's cool having online presence. I think it's cool having outreach beyond, you know, just the people that you've met in the physical world. So yeah, I think it's like cool that these content creators can create content that it's like a one way, it's like a one way street where like their viewers interact with them on a daily basis, but the content creators have no idea of who they are. Um, so I think it's very, very interesting that that kind of like sort of like economic playbook is uh, like in what we have today in like having my having a website at joshho.com. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we should play about some of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think for me, for me, like the, the, the transformative insight was that if you don't have an online presence, all the people that you interact with are going to be like in the physical world, right? That, that you that you meet it's just people that you meet by chance either at school at work uh, in your area in your neighborhood that kind of stuff and that's like 0.01 percent of like the people that you can reach uh, infinite like a super small percentage of the english-speaking world right um but if you have an online presence then that like that 99 100 x is that or whatever right like it's just the the surface area for you to have interesting experiences just increases greatly so that's like the main principle i think that it makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense, and and I think Josh, from listening to me talk about it, you seem to agree with it, and seem, this yeah. idea has merit, basically, right? Yeah, I'm curious on uh, what Ryan and Kevin think about this because they are uh, they're a lot more on like the the technical like CS end of things, uh, <laughs> software engineers, you know, people that stay up all night coding, they never see the light of the day. I'm curious what you guys think on like, <laughs> having an online presence and how like building your personal brand via the internet like works. No, yeah, I think it's a absolutely very valuable thing. Obviously, there's a lot of dangers with having such an online presence that have kind of come up nowadays just with social media, you know, like the detriments of social media and kind of how that's impacted a lot of like personal image problems and stuff like that. But I think it's one of those things where it's like nowadays, if it, it almost hurts you that you don't have an online presence. Like it's yeah, one right, of those yeah. things that it not necessarily super beneficial like it there's no it, there's nothing exactly that's good about it but not being having an online presence will hurt you so it's right, almost like, like you have to be there yeah so like y'all are talking about being able to reach more than like this 0.01 percent of the population i think it's also important to have this online presence to like uh like maintain these connections that you've made in your life because you're bound to like move around throughout your life, especially like, college, like all your hometown friends, they're definitely not, like a majority of them are not. So like maintaining that online presence allows you to, uh, I guess, stay connected and like have things to talk about uh, through those things. I think that's interesting, right? Like if by having this podcast or by having my blog at joshho.substite.com, I can kind of have like a one-way conversation <laughs> with uh, like my friends, <laughs> with my friends at back home, right? Or like, those that I don't talk to all the time, it's more of like if they read my blog or if they pay to and tune into this uh, podcast, they can kind of have like a conversation, kind of get what or kind of gauge what we're like thinking about on a day to day basis. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, also, like read this stuff, look at this stuff. Then that gives them material to like reach out to you. Like, oh, like that was so interesting what you said. And then from there, you can like further connect and like what's going on. And, and I, yeah. 
And I think what's really awesome, though, about like having everyone having such an online presence is that you increase the chances of meeting people that you'd probably never even think about talking to in like if you were to meet them in real life you learn yeah. so it's like so easy to learn more about a person uh, and so that kind of opens up your your perspective of people and stuff i think more easily through, but on the uh, other end of that i think uh there's like a social optionality thing right like i think uh in being on the internet there's extremely high social optionality where like in the physical world there's like very low social optionality in like a like one on one conversation. Eli, because I know you are huge into this kind of world of social optionality, I'm curious on what you think about that. I think, um, yeah, it's definitely because you don't actually. There's no stakes on the internet, right? Like, you meet someone, it's super easy to, uh, let's say, you read something that from someone and you liked it. It's super easy to just like not do anything about that. So that's like a way you can pass on a social interaction. Let's say you do have a conversation with them you can easily like ghost them, right? Like there's very little social cost on the internet to like leaving this interaction and just like looking for someone else more interesting. That's obviously like a shame, I think, but just, I think the exposure definitely like, I I think it like outweighs that just like being able to get exposed to like all of these different people and ideas and share your ideas in the same way. For me, at least it's like been pretty life-changing, like just being on Twitter, publishing stuff online. I feel like I've made a lot of like internet friends that way and have a lot of opportunities come by to me that way. So yeah, right. it sounds like uh, Ryan and Kevin are, are agreeing with this idea. So what, what, when are you guys, uh, yeah. when, when's the blog coming up? Oh yeah, Whoa. when's the blog? Come on now. Whoa. Got them now. That's <laughs> soon, soon. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like Josh's blog, I've read a couple of his, they're like really interesting. But also Josh sent me that the blog, the Medium post that Eli, I think you sent him about oh, yeah. the online dating. I thought that was pretty interesting. Cause yeah. Just... A lot of things. <laughs> Let's just say Kevin has a history of, uh, you know, he has, he has really good experience with that uh, online social optionality of people ghosting him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you, did, you did not have to do him like that. We want, we want our guests we want our guests to feel safe, you know? It's a safe space. <laughs> yeah. um, All right. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, like, moving, the, moving this, like, train of thought along so we, we we're all in agreement that like it's valuable to have an online presence because if you don't you're limiting your connections to the physical world which is like one percent less than one percent of the potential amount of connections and experiences that you can have so then it comes the question like why don't we use dating apps because the same principle right like it's quite hard to meet people in person um for a variety of reasons that were kind of outlined in that in that blog post uh, we'll put it in the show notes like one of the reasons is just like people in, in real life, they have their AirPods in and they're always on their phone, right? So even if you're seeing someone in like a gym or a cafe or something like that, it's like quite difficult to, the the, the situation isn't always, facil- doesn't always facilitate like talking to someone and like meeting them that way. So I was just curious what you guys think, like why don't we apply like the same principle to dating apps and uh, like online dating? Wait, like are you talking about us specifically? Like us four? Yeah, like us specifically because... <laughs> Or both, like us specifically and in general, because I think like among the people that we hang out with, there's somewhat of like a stigma around dating apps, right? I would uh-huh. think that a lot of us, I think most of our friends don't use dating apps. And mm-hmm. if someone were to consider it, the other people might be like, you know, what's up with that? And like, what's the reason? They would be a little skeptical or a little bit like they wouldn't think it's like the best idea. Yeah, 100%. I think I was going to, I was going to mention kind of like that stigma that you were mentioning. 
And I think that stigma kind of comes out of like the idea of it's very easy to, to hide behind your screen online. And so people kind of view that like meeting people online stuff, like it's just the easy way out instead of actually being able to put yourself in more vulnerable, vulnerable situations in person and stuff. I think that that ease of being able to just hide behind the screen has kind of created that stigma of well, around surrounding dating apps and that it kind of defeats the purpose of actually creating a close relationship with someone in person. Yeah. yeah. Well, also like <clears throat> all the dating apps, right? They have the same format. Like all these people show up on your screen and you can just like easily swipe left or right and like you can like hope for that connection to be made so i think like that quick ease of access to like all these people like lessens the meaning of the connections you make and i think mm-hmm. also a lot of people go into like the mindset of these dating apps with like they're not looking for or i guess like a lot of people like i know that use dating apps they're not using these dating apps to look for relationships right they're like swiping on people they think you're like only physically attractive because they're looking for like just surface level things in a relationship and not something like long-term. And like, I think that builds into the stigma that Ryan was talking about. Uh, on top of that, I think um, we mentioned earlier that there's like a, a different persona that you can create physically in the physical world versus on the online world. And I think that's like pretty evident when you come to uh, like dating apps or like your Instagram profile, for example, or even like Snapchat, right? Or even be real, for example, like be real is like, the definition of it is to be real and like show what you're doing in a certain instant. And I personally don't have it, but I've been around friends where all of a sudden the, the be real notification comes up and they're like, Oh, everyone posed. And they like, everyone does a duck face and like throwing up like gang signs wherever. So like, that's definitely not being real. It's a, it's a being fake, you know? Um, fake. And so I think like, that's like another layer of like, uh, why like me personally, or like, I think why like all of us don't personally use uh, unless unless like Eli's like a hidden like hinge <laughs> user that we don't know about. <laughs> but I think it's just like a, it's like a word like a layer of caution that we have that's developed against having these dating apps. But mm. Eli, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, so there were a few things that were brought up. One was like Kevin was saying like that there's an ease of access. So to to like the pe- people show up on your screen and it's like very easy to accept or dismiss them, right? I don't think that ease of like swiping is necessarily a bad thing because again, like if you go going back to first principles, it's like the dating app allows you to increase that surface area of potential connections. And in, in an ideal world, let's, let's pretend that everyone on the dating app that like you're swiping through has the goal of like a, a relationship in mind. Like you guys have the same end goal, then like it just increases that like connection. And then if there's a match that like, then you can, you know, have the conversation and, and see if the connection goes anywhere. Right. But I do agree, like the bigger problem with like dating apps. And I think why there's like such a stigma around them is because different people use them in such different ways. Like on Bumble, like there's literally it goes from like you want to get married to you want to make friends like there's Bumble for friends. Right. And And then there's like hookups and stuff. Right. And I think that people use them in such different ways that it's very hard to if you meet someone and there's like a match and you start talking to them and you realize you're like on completely different wavelengths that like discourages people or also makes people be like, what the heck is like this app? You know, it like, it's frustrating for the the user of the app, I think. Um, and I think that contributes to like kind of the, the stigma around it. But yeah, what do you guys think? So you're talking about like people being on the dating apps for like different purposes. I think that's like super, super true. Uh, like, especially like the, the, like, I think there's like a good difference between like each gender. So like, I think if you're a girl on a dating app, 
I think you get like a lot more responses than a guy. I don't know. I mean, me personally, I don't know, but like hearing from friends and stuff. <laughs> I think it's true. Yeah, it's like <laughs> no. I think yeah, statistically, like, I think it's true. The ratio right. is so like, like two to one for like guys to girls. Yeah, so like all, like those girls, right? Like they're getting all of these swipes, and that like leads to like a lot of I guess validation and like stuff like that. Hmm. So like a lot of times, like you're swiping on these girls, but like they're not taking it seriously. No, I think that's a good point, right? Like there's different levels point, of commitment. Yeah. People want different things. And uh, there's definitely a huge problem with dating apps that I think like that dating app companies are, are probably somewhat worried about is like the huge gender imbalance. Like the, the guys outnumber girls on dating apps by like at least twice as much. And that creates like a dynamic where like the top whatever, like 80% of women are like, com- like competing in quotes with like the top 20% or like 20% of guys it's like uh like a mismatch or, or whatever the other way around I, I forgot what I said but yeah you, yeah. you, you get my point <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I get your point so what would it take for you to for you to use a dating app I don't know I think um so there's like uh something like I was thinking about while you guys were talking was the idea of like social vetting and so I know Eli and I have explored this idea a little bit like Where's the best like way to facilitate like starting a relationship or who is the best person to reach out about like having a mutual setup? Um, and I think that there's like a, a variety of different social barriers that come into factor where when you're looking for a relationship in your friend group or through your friends, there's a le- like a level of awkwardness that comes out if like you like someone and the person doesn't like you back or like the other person likes you and you don't like them back. There's a level of awkwardness that can be created if that's if there's like a, a barrier between friends, but I think through dating apps you can have like completely remove that because everyone on there is like basically a stranger, you know. Given that you've never seen them before, or you've never met them, or like you barely have anything in common, and so like on that side it's a pro. But the, on the other hand, like, do you want that kind of social vetting? And I think for me personally, I want that right. So like, um, I'm friends with you guys for a reason. I think we have similar likes, similar interests, similar values. And I'm guessing the people that you guys are friends with as well of the opposite gender are similar, right? They have similar interests, similar values. And those are the type of people that I think would be socially vetted by you guys for me to be open to be coming in a relationship with. And so like dating apps don't have that. And so it's a completely blind entrance to like meeting a new person that you don't have when, if they're your friend or your friend's friend. But like, don't all these dating apps have like these profiles, you put your preferences, like what you like to do stuff like that so like doesn't that also act like sort of like obviously not to the extent of like the, the filter that your close friends will bring but like i guess like dating apps are trying to like emulate that right yeah sure but that that also goes for like um roommates right we we have all heard like stories of bad roommates but you know when you get into college and when you want to put down uh who your roommate is you'll you'll put down like a certain like number of habits that you have like when you eat food or when you wake up in the morning or when you do homework. And so that like they try to match people based on that and still like your personalities and values and like interests don't completely line up. And that person might not be your most optimal roommate. Yeah. But um, so you're saying like, basically you're saying the chances of meeting someone on a dating app that are compatible isn't very high. Right. But like, yeah, if, if the chances like, if the chance is much lower, but you're also like getting many more people to meet. I think like, it's like a, a, vol- a volume thing, right? Like shots on target. Like if you, if you're, if you put, if enough people are put in front of you, even if the proportion is lower, like if you get enough people, there's bound to be at least a few that there's like a, a match with, right? 
Do you think it's worth yeah. it though? Do you think like like going on a date is a lot of effort, right? Both physically, you have to be there. Uh, financially, you have to probably like as a guy, you like most likely have to pay for the girl. And then on the other hand, it's like it's emotionally pretty draining, right? Because you have to yeah. like give your all into like one single date, and then you know go around and flip it again for the next person. And I think after a certain number of those, like sure, like you'll get those reps and you'll get like to meet new people, but you might not have that ability to make that human connection, make that like romantic connection if you're not like on your A game. And I think you can get put off of your A game or like, I guess not like A game. It's like, you're not going to really be your true self. You're probably put on some kind of persona uh, because you've done so many of these like um, first dates. And I think that's like like mock interviews, right? So like these past two, two weeks, I've been doing a lot of mock interviews. And after a while, they kind of blend together. And I feel like I put on a certain persona myself that makes me sound intelligent that makes me sound eloquent that makes me sound like someone that you want to hire and like work with i, I mean hope in reality i'm like i'm like the same person right I've never, I've never, i think I've never um, met that guy. okay all right <laughs> <laughs> no but i think um like uh i think it's very common where you hire someone and then after you know the first month of working with them they're not exactly like it could be good it could be bad but they're not exactly the same person that you thought they were in the interview and i think just doing those like first date repetitions through a dating app you know, given that all the people on the dating app are looking for a relationship, it's not completely helpful for the longevity and like the duration of that individual relationship. I definitely agree with like the effort thing. There's a, the, the, the noise to signal ratio, if you will, like on, on dating apps is probably a lot higher and to like filter out people requires you to put in a certain level of effort, whether it be like a text conversation, but more likely like a, a first date. Right. And that is like a big commitment. So, okay. Yeah. I definitely, I think that is a, that's like a good argument, I guess, against using the dating app. Well, this was adding to, to Josh's point before how like you put on this persona for like interviews and stuff. I think that's okay when you're like interviewing for a job because even, even if you're putting on this persona, like you're going to be going into the office and stuff and that's your pro- professional side of your life. And it's okay to like, obviously like not change who you are completely, but like have this professional side of yourself. But like when you're dating, you don't want to like have this persona and like, continue to have that persona throughout the entire relationship because that person should know who like the real you is and they should like that like like you for like who that person is mm, yeah i think the optimal way would be to like uh, you would be friends with the person first right or there would be social proof via like some existing mutual friendship that like oh like these people would probably get along yeah that's scary though right like i'm sure we've all been in a situation where like you've been friends with someone probably not kevin you know he's a little weird but uh, I'm sure Eli and Ryan have all been in a situation where, like, maybe you have a crush on your friends, but then you consider the like the downside, right? There's a pretty large downside that you know with that person you lose that friendship basically forever. Uh, I'm looking at like, the extreme case right here, but then not only that, but like in the rest of the friend group, if you guys are all pretty integrated, right? Like everyone's friends with each other. There's also that risk of making that whole friend group like kind of disperse and sort of segment into different groups because um, one certain relationship doesn't click well. And so, no, next time we hang out all together, you can't be like, you can't invite both of these people to the, to the same event. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's like a, it's pretty scary, but I don't know. Yeah. I think, that's, ask. <laughs> I think that's definitely what makes like dating within a friend group tricky because it's like, if you're going for a girl that's within your friend group, you're probably pretty certain that they have similar values, like you guys were mentioning. So, you know, they're probably someone that you would click with better uh, in general, or it's a safer bet to go with at least. But then again, that's also balance. You also have to balance, just like what Josh was saying. Is do you want to risk, you know, like tarnishing that friendship because you know you've kind of quote unquote failed? <laughs> uh, well, it's like not even that. yeah. 
it's not even just that risk you're taking or like oh like if she doesn't like me back they're not gonna be friends but like looking in like the long-term perspective like even if you guys do date and stuff like what happens if it doesn't work out right it's like you're friends with this person before and like you got closer to them through the relationship and like they're still your best friend and then like if the relationship ends then like what happens then right because that person before you're in the relationship like was super super important in your life and like a super close friend and like obviously it got like even like a, a deeper throughout the relationship um so like there's that risk too after yeah you talk from the heart my boy <laughs> you spit it from the heart <laughs> do you make all of that up or we can talk about that you later. know <laughs> <laughs> yeah certainly higher stakes i think when well, with like someone that you you know i think that the one of the draws of like dating apps is i think the the high social optionality in that the stakes are very low there's very little social cost to messing this interaction up or like deciding this interaction isn't worth it when in other cases like it's much higher yeah i think that's that's like i think that was a good conversation on dating apps i know josh also wanted to talk more broadly about the the topic of relationships do you want to introduce us to this topic yeah i think um i think it's a good idea or a good topic to bring up because of you know how different we all are when it comes to being in relationships. I think some might be similar, more similar than others. I think we should have had Chris on the episode for this. Um, unfortunately, he is studying, but Chris is the only one out of us four uh, or, or us five, if you include him, um, that's actually in a relationship right now. And so, <laughs> you really do an all, so all of us I, I was, like that. <laughs> I was wondering if you guys could give us, like, uh, if you guys are willing, like, a brief description of. You know your relationship history maybe like you don't have to give names or anything maybe like some of the things that you've learned and some of the things you want to take forward like into the future relationships eli why don't we start with you this is this is this is only Just, episode three man this is only episode three people listening i think you can nice. learn a lot from someone just yeah, from no, hearing I, like the perspectives agree. on long-term relationships. I definitely agree. Actually, okay. given that you okay. introduced that you want to start off josh? yeah josh why don't you start oh off? i think yeah, that's okay, a good sure. idea okay that's a great idea so um so i I consider myself pretty like relationshiply challenged um like i if you know me you know okay all right (laughs) you you know like i I love meeting people i love talking to people i love like building connections with people but when it comes to like someone i'm interested in i don't think that's like possible for me um (laughs) you guys can't see eli but he's making like little the, the pointer fingers shy position um, I promise I'm not super shy. Uh, no, but so I'd say like in high school, and we can talk about the validity of high school relationships, but I had, I'd consider like a kind of relationship uh, my sophomore year of high school. And so the, the reason why I say kind of is that my parents didn't actually let me date. And so mom and dad, if you're listening to me, this is probably why I don't have a girlfriend right now. It's because you built this, like instilled in me this relationship, this idea of not being in a relationship. And so from a young age, I, uh, you know, kind of did not really prioritize having a relationship. Um, I think there's times where I like sensationalized being with someone. Um, and so going forward, I think in my life, I definitely want to look for like a long-term relationship, someone that like can be a possible like life partner for me. And, you know, I, I know we're pretty young right now. I think we're only like in the 20s. Um, I'm not even 20, I'm like 19. But <laughs> I, I know that we're pretty young right now. But I think it's like not a not a bad time to start like, um, not like actively looking, but if something, someone was to come along with, you know, the prospect of being a long-term girlfriend, you know, be up to it. But that's a little bit on me. Uh, I say, cause Kevin and I are on the same microphone. Actually, no, let's save Kevin for last. Eli, like, I'm <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Yeah. 
All right. That was a good introduction, and I agree that Kevin, Kevin has the most interesting story out of all of us, I think. But, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, where to start, you know? Like, um, let's see. So, Eli was a player in high yeah. school. No, I, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. Uh, okay, yeah. So, similar to Josh, I was also in a relationship during high school. I do think, like, high school relationships are, like, valid relationships, at least for people like us, it's it's basically the majority of our relationship experience, right? Like, um, right. Yeah, so it's majority. still like I think for, for speaking from speaking from like our point in life and our life experiences, I think it's a very important. It's been pivotal in shaping our view of relationships and how we kind of approach them. But when I was in high school, I was uh, I, I was in a relationship, and I think that my mindset in high school was like I, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that this relationship would be like just like a at the the longest it would go on is until like I graduated high school, right? Like I always assumed that it, it was kind of like a given for me in my mind that once I went to college, like the relationship would end just because, you know, like the chances of us going to the same school and still being the same person two, three years down the line are pretty slim. So it was just like an opportunity to like, to understand like, what does it feel like to be in a relationship? What is it? What do you, are you looking for in a relationship? That kind of thing. So yeah, that, that was like kind of my mindset in high school. And I think that it was like a good mindset to have. I think I learned a lot about, you know, like what it takes to be, uh, what I'm looking for, what it takes to be like, what, what does it mean to be like a thoughtful partner, that kind of stuff. If you don't have any of that, like low stakes experience, then it's like tough to be like empathetic and, and all that stuff. Um, but now in college, yeah, it's got, yeah. it's a lot scarier. It's a lot scarier because I feel like I'm like dating for real now. Like, uh, like the next person that I date, there's like a, a chance, a non-zero chance that this will be the person that you spend like the rest of your life with. At least that's like how I'm approaching. I think Josh said something similar. Right. And that's like really, yeah. really, really scary um, for me, at least, because it's like this is like be marrying someone is like that's like a top three most important life decision. Right. I think that's like it's like it's up there, maybe even like the number one most important decision that you'll make in your life. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of like it's still dawning on me that this is like real. And I think that in this kind of situation, you have to be a lot more like you have your standards have to be much higher. You have to like put in a lot more effort and. You have to be like much more picky with the people that you spend your time with. I also agree with what Josh said earlier. Like, and a lot of in high school is also like you like the idea of being in a relationship, not necessarily being in a relationship with this person. And I think that that is a mindset that definitely needs to go because now it's like it's like the person is like extremely important now. Yeah. Oh, another thing, like an insight that I had recently was um, not that long ago. Uh, like, I had a conversation with someone, and I felt like like this was like a conversation where like. I really clicked with like this person that was like really interesting, really thoughtful and like had a lot of the same like interests and values as me. And I never really had a conversation like that in recent memory. I feel like it's been a really long time since you like clicked with someone like that. And I think it's like uh, kind of recalibrated my like internal like standard for, you know, what, what is compatibility look like before, you know, I probably didn't have that great of an idea or great of a sense of what does like an ideal partner look like in terms of like conversation and values and like intellectual compatibility, that kind of stuff. And I think that having this conversation kind of recalibrated that. And I think that, you know, like moving forward, I should be like seeking those types of conversations. That's, that's, yeah, quick thing. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, uh, sure. I would say, so to be honest, the only actual relationship I've had was like in high school. Um, I was a sophomore, sophomore junior at the time. So obviously I was very, I was pretty young and uh, I was pretty immature with it. And I think the big thing I learned is just how much more goes into a relationship than you would think. And I think that's kind of 
what I've learned through that relationship. And I'm sure, you know, like, like Josh was saying, relationships uh, in high school are probably very different, especially given for me at the time, like I couldn't even drive. So if I wanted to hang out with this girl, like I would have to ask my dad. And it was very, it was, it was like a whole, a whole journey just to, just to try to hang out with this, this girl outside of, you know, just school. So it was, it's very different. Whereas in like a college, you know, you want to hang out with your girlfriend, you just go walk over to her apartment. She comes over to your apartment. It's a, a lot easier and the like, commitment to just see. And it's just very easy to see like a girlfriend and boyfriend a lot easier. Um, yeah. If you go to the same college. That is very true. That is very true. I'm, I'm just assuming I'm kind of like differentiating like relationships that you start in college versus relationships you start in high school. Not really yeah. considering relationships, you, you know, like start in high school and then you know, try to carry on through college. But yeah, I think that's the big thing is just like there's so much that really goes in and so much time and commitment that goes into a relationship that you really have to consider before you go into it. And I, I think that's what's really hindering me from really pushing to get into a relationship is like, I'm really, I always question my, to myself, like, am I really, do I, am I like really committed to, to putting in this time and effort and maybe sacrificing time that I could be, that I could have doing schoolwork or whatever and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Kevin? Okay. So I dated this girl for like more than four and a half years, like throughout high school and then uh, like freshman year of college. So I met her, I think in seventh grade. And then we started dating freshman year of high school. So became like friends with her cl- first and then became like really close friends. And then we started dating and it was like really good through high school and stuff. But, and like, we're no longer dating anymore right now. We broke up this, <laughs> this last summer, but I think through like the whole four and a half years, like I've learned so much stuff. Um, and like, I know Josh said his parents didn't let him date and stuff, but I think like that's a big reason why my parents were like, we're okay with me dating this girl because they knew if it lasted like great but like if it didn't then they they still they still knew that like i would learn so much stuff that i wouldn't be able to learn just on my own with my friends and stuff i mean i don't know like how much how how, how in depth do you want to talk about as much as you want <laughs> I as much as you're willing okay i mean i really wish chris were on this podcast right now because like i don't know i feel like he ex- has experienced like so many of the same things i experienced last year with long distance but like i guess starting with high school like being in that long-term relationship in high school, like all four years of high school, it was just really, really nice. Like she like allowed me to like learn more things about myself that I wouldn't have been able to do by myself. And like just having someone who like knows you super, super well, like especially in a time like where you're a teenager and you're like not really like sharing that much stuff, I guess, with your parents, especially stuff that like is awkward and stuff like that. And like having someone to talk to during like those times, like, where you're growing the most is like super, super great because like they're also going through the same thing, right? I guess like a a big thing is like doing long distance. So we went through one year of long distance in college. She was like a 12 hour uh, car ride away. So like, that's like a three hour flight. It was like really, really hard. And I think that one year of long distance has taught me more about like relationships than like the previous, I guess, four years or so. Because, like, it teaches you, like, how to be a person outside of the relationship. And I think nowadays I see, like, a lot of people in relationships and stuff. And, like, they just, I mean, I guess I was like that in high school. Like, they just disappear into that relationship. And, like, all you know them for is, oh, like, they're in that relationship with that person. Mm. Uh, so long distance really forces you to, like, develop friendships, develop hobbies, develop, develop interests outside of that relationship. 
And like, if you're able to maintain that same level of relationship with that person, then that really, really deepens your connection. That's like the, like, I think the biggest thing I learned. Oh, and also like being in such like a long relationship, it's very, very easy to go easy on yourself. Cause like at the very beginning, right? Like you really, really like, you really, really like this person, right? Like you do anything for them. Like you go out of your way to like, oh, like take them on nice dates or like get them flowers, stuff like that. Things are like, that are like- The honeymoon phase. Exactly, exactly. But once you get past that, what I learned like through like conversations I've had with her on both sides, realize we realized that like in order to like keep the relationship like healthy, you gotta like not go back to the honeymoon phase, but like be aware of like what you're doing and like because like it's very easy to fall into this pattern of like, oh, they're like the, my significant other, they're just gonna be there all day. Like it doesn't really matter what I do, like what effort I put in, like they're just gonna be there regardless. So it's like super, super important to keep in mind that like every day, like go out of your way to like do things for them and that you would have done at the very beginning and like continue to like win them over. And like, that's super important to like maintaining a healthy relationship. Yeah. I think that's super cool. Um, thanks for sharing guys. <laughs> I know it's like uh, not super common that like, I, know, I think especially guys, we don't really talk about relationships, what, what you're looking for in a relationship, where your current status is, but I think it's good that, you know, we can talk about it openly, but for Kevin, I, I know you have us, I know we talked about a lot about this, but I was wondering for like, for anyone listening or, for, you know, people that are in long distance relationships or just got on long, long or long term relationships. And, and just for like Eli and Rhina here was wondering, like, how, how much do you think you grew in your relationship? And how would you compare that to if you were not in a relationship? Because I know we've talked about this. And I personally think that, like, it's important to be able to grow by yourself. And I think in your most, I guess, defining years, you know, throughout high school and the beginning of college, you know, it's, it's like different. There's very different when you, uh, in learning, if you learn by yourself versus if you learn with, you know, having someone as a kind of like a crutch. Right. And so uh, I was curious on getting your perspective on that. Yeah. So <clears throat> like having a, like a steady significant other, especially like, a, like a super young age, I think it acts like, uh, like a concert, a constant comfort zone. Right. It's a growing sickness going around uh, our, our apartment. Yeah. Sorry. It's like the comfort zone thing. So like you're going through high school and stuff. And I think it's like super important when you're like at such an age to like be out of your comfort zone, like a lot, like be forced to like go out of your comfort zone and like experience new things and like be vulnerable, vulnerable. But I think that's like kind of harder while you're in a relationship because you always have this person to like do anything with you. Right. Um, And like, if you feel uncomfortable, you're just like, Oh, do you want to come along? Um, And then all of a sudden like things are comfortable again. So like, in terms of your question, you asked what, like, uh, do you think if I, I would have grown more if I was single through yeah. high school? Uh-huh. I mean, I think that's like a very, very loaded question because I like, I don't know who, who I would be, right, if I didn't date her through high school and the first year of college. Yeah. So like, that's like almost impossible to answer. But like in the time that, you know, I've like, we broke up in June. So it's been like four or five months. In that time, I've grown in like a lot of different ways, like learn how to be independent, like learn how to pursue things that like th- pursue things solely for myself and instead of like looking at things like, oh, what's best for the relationship, what's best for like a whole. And I mean, I think it'd be better like you spoke to like how you grew while being single and then yeah. compare that to <laughs> like, this other experience. <laughs> Wait, Kevin, I have a question for you, Kevin. Do you think, yeah. do you think, how, how would you like rate your ability or your comfort with being alone? Like right now, oh, I think uh, it's definitely still like pretty, like pretty uncomfortable. Like, um, yeah, definitely still getting used to it. 
and is like it, like it's it like definitely still gets pretty tough. I'm definitely still not over her, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's only been a couple months. I, I don't expect sharing. you to be over her. I think it'd be like um, it'd be like an insult to the long like the length <clears throat> of your relationship yeah. if you got over that quick. Um, yeah, you know, it was like a quarter of your life, have, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's, wow. It's, yeah. Wow. It's a long time and. Another thing that we were talking about is that the idea that we might all get married in the next decade. Right. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. more rather than like looking in the past, let's look into the future. Where do you think, what do you think you guys would want to do in the next like 10 years to prepare? <laughs> so it's hard to say, right? But prepare for like, you know, marriage or settling down. I think, I think really, you know, especially for Kevin is really being able to, to be happy alone, like be happy alone first. Because if you're comfortable with being being independent, being alone, stuff, and you happen, and then you end up in a relationship, then you know you're in that relationship because of that person, not because you just want to be in a relationship. Like Josh is always he he always says he wants ha- wants to have a girlfriend, but he's he never singles out a specific girlfriend. So I don't know if that's really good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's really good um, and healthy because then. You know, then you're in a relationship because you're because you want to be in a relationship, not necessarily because you like a specific person. So I think that's very important, and I think that's what I've been trying to do, like through high school, through the end of high school, and into like now, um, is just really being able to focus on myself, be happy with being myself, and then hopefully I'll stumble upon a girl, you know, that I really, really, really like and have a future with. No, yeah, yeah, I, I like agree. that. That's a very mature take. Very yeah. mature take. I think learning to be happy being alone is like a, a prerequisite, almost. Right, but I think that, like there's a big distinction. There's like a big. There's like a. There's a, there's a big distinction between like learning to be happy on your own, and then just like a difference between that and like I guess wanting to be like wanting to be alone. Like I think it's it's different to, um, like, wait, what am I even saying? No, yeah, I get that. I think, uh, I yeah, think, I really? Yeah, yeah. Explain it for me. <laughs> it's okay. This, oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm not, say, I'm I'm not the s- smartest guy in the in the room. <laughs> Unless I'm with you guys, then I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say like like I think it's really really good to be forced to like learn how to be happy on your own before you're in a relationship, but you don't have to. Like, want you to don't, be alone. You don't have to want to be alone. Oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean. You don't have to. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like just because I, I think, okay. yeah, yeah. like because like just because like you're like oh I like I want a relationship that's not not necessarily a bad thing, but mm-hmm. I think everybody before they get into like a long term relationship, like Ryan said, should learn how to be comfortable being alone, and that like involves like how to be happy, how to be happy with just you, and not with like filling it with well, like I'm happy because of this other person. Yeah, I don't think we're alone yeah. because we want to be alone. <laughs> 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 like if you if you think hypothetically, like uh, you know, if if like the this perfect person came up, you, you you like you know jump at it with like in a, a heartbeat, right? And so yeah. maybe it's like a time sorry, thing. DC. <laughs> Eli's talking about a professional tennis player. Um, <laughs> that that, yeah, we'll, that is uh, we'll, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely agree with get what what you guys are saying. I don't know if this is the right phrase for it, but um, a phrase that I really like is preferred indifference. I think it comes from like stoicism or something like that. But I, I kind of like that to describe a lot of things in life, including like being in a relationship. It's like 
you would prefer it, but whether it actually happens or not, you're more or less indifferent, at least for like this stage of life. Yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, like, like winning the lottery, yeah. prefer, I strongly prefer to be to get married at some point in my <laughs> life, you know, but like at this very moment, you know, like short, medium term, next like three, four years, like it's preferred indifference. Like I'm not, it's not something that I'm going to be stressing about, not really something that I'm going to put like huge, like specific effort towards, but yeah, it would be nice, right? If the right person came yeah. along. I think I think I have a very similar mindset with that as well. I mean, I think, well, I think like uh, you're saying like being comfortable and stuff, I think that's like super important in college, especially because like what Josh was talking about before, or not Josh, what Ryan was talking about before, like how he was in a relationship when he couldn't even drive and stuff, is like the polar opposite in college. Uh, like I've seen a lot of college relationships where like they spend every single night together, uh, like every single moment of the day together. And like, it's so easy just to like fall into that relationship and like lose your sense of self. What do you think the dating scene will be like after we graduate college? I know like Ooh. some people that are, that are listening might be out of college already. My cousin she she told me that she listened to the podcast she really likes it and so i think it'd be interesting to get her perspective on like life after college but hypothetically i think i don't know if like i should put a percentage on this but if there's like whatever the percentage chance that we don't get a you know final life partner in college which i think is pretty likely how do you think life is going to be like after college and how will we go about finding you know the next partner yeah that's a good question i've heard mixed things about like whether dating is easier or harder after college like obviously some part of it is harder because there's less you're just around less people of the of a similar age that are looking for similar things right like uh there's also like just the responsibilities of life kind of take up your time but i've also heard that when you're post-graduation and you're just like a little bit more mature and uh you have like a job and and you have things that you're interested in you just become like a more like well-rounded and complete person for a lot of people including myself the cases in colleges you know still to trying to figure out like what i value who i am and and what i want out of out of life in general there's like a lot of wandering in college which the trait of wandering is not bad but i don't think it's a very desirable trait right like you you would you don't want to start dating someone and then they continue to wander and become a completely different person yeah. you want someone that mm-hmm. has like a strong sense of self and you want to like like that person for who they believe they are so Meeting people probably harder after college, but I think that of the people you meet, you'll probably it's probably easier to tell if you'll get along and easier yeah. to find like that that right person. Yeah, I think that's a good point for sure. I think, and also in college, there's a big kind of like hookup culture, kind of short term one nighter kind of things. Not not they're, they're at least at least at, <laughs> in our year and for freshmen like you know, maybe it will change as, as become as we become upperclassmen and stuff. But there is still like a lot of immaturity in people uh, in terms of relationships, uh, meaning that people aren't as likely to seek like a long term relationship. They're more of just there just for, you know, whatever, for whatever, you know, whatever reason they want, but more for like short term or for pleasure, whatever. They're, they're in it for the wrong reason. A lot of times, I think. Yeah when we're when we're fresh as because there's still a little bit of that immaturity from high school when you're a freshman sophomore but i yeah. think as, as you go through college and stuff i obviously i don't know for sure and we'll see when we get there but you know i think people will be more mature about it and stuff and so maybe yeah. after like you were saying out of the people you do meet i think there'll be a higher chance of of having like a more committed relationship come out of that i also feel like like after college i mean this may or may not be true like i obviously don't know but when you're working and stuff, it's like more up to you whether you go out of your way, look for a relationship. 
like there's less opportunities that just naturally come where you're like mixing with these groups of people because like i feel like in college like, there's like parties social gatherings um like different organizations you're in there's, like so many opportunities like classes so many opportunities like where you can naturally just meet people but like when you're working and stuff <laughs> when you're working and stuff that like the only opportunities at work and it's like up to you to like go out of your way like on the weekend to like go meet people and stuff like that yeah but then i think at that point i think the the friends like uh meeting meet (laughs) (laughs) no i think meeting through friends is like a a really big catalyst for relationships when you're out of college so i don't know maybe we just have to wait a little bit and we'll find the one but do you guys oh another idea that i want to explore is like do you guys think we should date to find what we like or what we want in another like in a partner the idea is like if you wait and then you wait until you're after college and you're like 25, 26 and you date one person and then you end up marrying them, you don't know what else is out there, right? And you don't know like yourself personally, what other person that you want to spend your life with forever. And so in these like next four years, while it might not be like statistically as likely for us to find the one, is it important to kind of get those trial runs in and, you know, solve those test cases um, oh if I, <laughs> to, speak, to speak Kevin and Ryan's language. Um, solve the test cases in order to get your, you know, code to, you know, finally match you with the, the one. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, for, for me, I think knowing who you want to end up with and like having like those preferences and those values, it's not really, it's less so up to like how many people you meet. I think like your views on like who you want to end up with should not be shaped by the different people you date, like through those experiences. But like, I feel like it should more so be shaped by like your own personal values. Like, and those are developed through being alone. Okay, but what if it's like something small, right? Like what if you date a girl that eats Cheeto dust or like eats Cheetos and just <laughs> Cheeto dust everywhere. And then now you know that like if a girl eats Cheetos religiously to like avoid, right? But I mean- <laughs> Right, or, or like uh, if, um, okay, I don't yeah. know. It, it might, I, okay, small. Josh, I, I have, I have the answer to this, I think. I understand what you're saying. You have the answer. You have the answer. Why don't you have a girlfriend? I think that... I think we've got a lot of work to do on this one. (laughs) No, no, I was just kidding. But, uh, okay. I think I have the answer to what you're saying. Oh, that's a better way of phrasing um, it. Yeah, that is a better way of phrasing it. So, I, I agree with what Kevin said. Like, these important traits, the important ones, not like the superficial ones, are kind of like... Uh, most of it should probably be come probably doesn't come from like dating people like maybe a, some mm-hmm. of it but i think you, you have like this core sense uh, once you get to a certain age i assume or you know you just develop it as you m- mature sense of like who you want what kind of person you want as a life partner and then of the people that you meet you'll you know when you talk to them you'll make an initial assessment of like okay is this person like are they directionally correct Right. And then you might go on a few dates with them and you'll have a relationship will form. And then as that relationship progresses, you'll gain more information on whether they're right for you. Right. And I don't think it's I don't think it's the the right view to take or the mindset to have that in my first like from the age of like 20 to 23. I'm just going to date just to see. So like every relationship is going to be like nine months long and we're just going to do it to see see how it goes. I don't think that's necessary. I think every relationship that you have, you could it could have the potential to marry this person, but you should just be, again, you should just be, you should have like high enough standards that you'll end up with like a good person. And over time, you'll pick, you'll pick up things like, okay, let's say you dated this, you're dating this person and you find out that like Cheetos are a deal breaker. Like that's not a big deal. (laughs) You found out something that was a deal breaker. So the relationship is not going to continue, but now you've gained more information for like, 
the next person that you're in a relationship with. But if you didn't find any deal breakers and you really liked how you felt in that relationship and you felt that like that person was the right one for you, like there's no harm in marrying them either, I guess. Is what I'm, uh, I don't know if that makes sense. That makes sense. I yeah. Get yeah. 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 So I also think it's pretty crazy that we're like what Josh said a, few, a couple minutes back, like we're all going to get married in the next 10 years. Well, m- most likely going to get married. In the next 10 years. I was looking at <laughs> well, Ryan, the, the Ryan, median, I don't know about median age. <laughs> Come on. I, I, I don't know about Ryan. <laughs> the median age of like marriage is getting later in the United States, like later and later every year. But I think it's still hovering yeah, like around right. like 20, 29 or something like that. So and, and another statistic is like, you know. even after you get married, what is the percentage that you guys get together or stay together, right? Like, I know divorce rates are like at an all time high in the United States, like maybe 50, 60%. Um, and so it's like very difficult to stay in a committed relationship. But I'm, I'm like reading this book by Eric Barker right now. It's called uh, Plays, Plays Well with Others. And, I've been reading um, this for like six months. I know, it's been a long time. I haven't, I've been kind of busy. <laughs> but um, in, in one of the passages, he talks about um, marriage, right? And so he talks about how marriage in today's society is very different than it used to be, right? Like in the past, it was like a, uh, a partnership, right? It was like two people that got together to raise a family and, you know, be financially stable. And I know in like some cultures, um, I think cheating on your spouse was like encouraged to kind of like reinforce that like bond that like, oh yeah, you and I are a partnership, nothing more, nothing less, right? And so as we go into a culture where I think Hollywood and like, you know, Taylor Swift songs have kind of like reinforced this, but you know, the idea that love has to be the like quintessential when you are in a marriage, right? And I think like for us, I think that's true, right? I think it's very hard to imagine yourself dating someone or being in a relationship with someone if you don't love them. So as a result of that, you know, the relationships that do succeed, although they might be like a small percentage are like extremely, they're extremely strong because in addition to like, the partnerships that you have with the other person, you have that strong bond and you have that like desire to love each other, which is pretty unique to our generation. And so I don't know how that will change going forward. I know there's like uh, some idea of like, you know, we talked about this, but like hookup culture and stuff where like you kind of remove that emotional aspect in it. And so I don't know how like once those people in our generation that are doing that currently will end up marrying someone, how that will affect them. But um, I think for us and like for, cause, cause I know we're all pretty similar. I think for us, um, it's like, it's like a good, it's like a pretty, pretty exciting statistic, right? Like that relationships today are a lot stronger. Well, the ones that succeed, obviously, I'm um, sorry, Kevin, but the, <laughs> the, um, the relationships that succeed are a lot stronger. And I think that's pretty promising. And I think, you know, that's a, it's a good note to end on, you know, when we're talking about relationships. Yeah. We've been recording for a while now. Uh, yeah. good conversation. Yeah, do you want to do the, the topic, the topics? What are you uh, talking about? Some, what's something that you guys have been um, oh like yeah, 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 yeah. Or... okay <laughs> okay <laughs> i assume ahead. you've been looking forward to this all week yeah so uh, we can we can do that thing again at the end um you know share something interesting you found in the week and josh why don't you start you see you sound excited oh, thank you um so kevin and i actually sent this instagram post to each other um i didn't like check my instagram like in time but i was like scrolling and i sent this to him but it was um nike oh, like planning on disbanding their deal with Kyrie. And I think it's super timely and super interesting because Eli is coming to Austin next week. Um, something we're all looking forward to. But he's, he, he comes he comes bearing gifts. Contraband. Discontinued Exactly. He he comes bearing gifts and these gifts are, you know, of of the of the Kyrie brand. Um, and so right. I think you know, Kevin and I have been talking about this. Is it a uh, a future investment on just holding these 
uh, shoes dead stock and then selling yeah. them for so I can't infinite wait. returns. Can't, yeah, I can't um, wait. A couple years down the road, these will be worth like a couple so, thousand so, for sure. Or do we? So just we're not gonna them? all. Um, we're not. We're not all. No, that's that's why we bought them so we could all wear them and play together while wearing matching shoes. <laughs> but think about this: we could save them, like sell them, and then buy five pairs of shoes that we could all wear that but are think, exactly the same. But think about this: think about this. We're, we're all three of us are wearing the same pair of Kyrie's on the court. We're like, wow, they must be so good to be able to get their hands on some Kyrie's. They're just continue. I thought you were on my side. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, but that's what I've been keeping up with. Uh, something I thought, you know, I, I was excited to bring up in light of Eli coming this week. Super excited, but oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. Excited. Anyone Who's else next? have an interesting thing they found during the week? It's a little bit unfair because we didn't, we didn't, t- Ryan and Ryan and Kevin don't know about this, but like, I, I keep like a list of interesting things that I find during the week so I can bring them up on the podcast. Uh, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear what you have for this week. <laughs> okay, well, I, I already said like the, one of them about like Simu Liu and just like when I was listening to his, his autobiography. Um, I think some of these, some of these should be turned into actual episodes. So I don't want to spoil too, too many of them. Um, Let me bring up something. Okay. Here's um, one. I, I, okay. okay. Never mind. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, All right. Okay. It's a quick it. one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I know, I know Josh does. I'm not sure about uh, Ryan and Kevin, but I know Josh takes like a lot of meetings, right? Um, I assume you have oh. a lot of like calls during the week. Is that is that true for Ryan and Kevin as well? Ain't nobody calling yeah. Kevin. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah I'd say but, so. Um, okay, yeah, and it's you know it's always a struggle to like book times for calls, right? It's, um, you're, mm-hmm. everyone hates doing that thing where like you email someone. It's like, are you free at these times? And it's like Tuesday from one to four, but also from like seven to nine and Wednesday. Like that sucks, right? And then like that takes like a couple right. of emails. So is that your there's email this thing voice? called. Sure. Yeah. That's my, yeah. But uh, okay. And um, you probably know about this thing. It's called like Calendly. It lets you yeah, yeah, yeah. send a link to someone and then it shows your available hours and then they can book on there, which is, you know, that's yeah. already like a game changer. Um, but the, the problem with Calendly is that once you send the link to someone, they have access to your calendar, right? They basically have access to your free time and they know all the times that you're free. And a lot of the times they can even access it after this initial meeting. So uh, this was actually a while ago, maybe like two, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I found this app called Cron, C-R-O-N. We'll p- probably put it in the show notes if I remember. But it's Cron. it's like Calendly, but it allows you to select the hours on your calendar. So it was like game changing oh, for me. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, for my meetings, at least like in the order that I'm in, we use this thing called Lettuce Meet. It's kind of like, a, yeah, you're not like giving them access to it. I don't know. I, Josh was in my room earlier and I was actually filling one out. But yeah, it's like... A, very it's not very it's not give, like you you basically just fill in your availability for like a certain amount of uh span of time and you don't you're not actually giving access to like your actual personal calendar or anything it's kind of right then and there you you put your commitments so yeah it's yeah. a lot of work though yeah. the lot of speeds it is like definitely, it. but it's a trade-off it is a little bit of work to to select the hours that you're free so like if i have a mm-hmm. meeting if, if if for example someone wanted to schedule a meeting with me right now i would just fill out my free hours or the hours that i would want to have meetings from like monday to friday and then i would send them that as like here's my availability for this week let me know if you need additional times um yeah and it's been like i think that's been pretty helpful um yeah you so do that's, the entire week i do like maybe share. i do like maybe two or three like one hour like um blocks i don't give like my availability for the entire week i don't know i'll put i'll put in like um 
So if I'm free like Monday afternoon, I'll just highlight like Monday one to five, and then I'll do like Tuesday two to three, Wednesday two to four, something like that, and I'll just send them a link and it has they can schedule a meeting from those times that I select. But yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, it's kind of like so I'm writing this blog right now. Um, it's kind of in relation to the podcast uh, Kevin Eli and I are listening to. It's the the Bology Lex Freeman podcast. It's like eight hours long, and so the like the the pod or the blog is not about the podcast. It's about how I've been listening to the podcast. I've noticed that, like you know, across those, um, I think I'm like seven hours in now. Um, across those seven hours, I've listened to it like in a variety of different like locations, and um, and like obviously my attention span is going to be a little different uh, at every single location. Um, and so what I'm exploring is like what's the best way to optimize your attention while listening to podcasts, right? And so that's like, I don't know, it's, it's something I'm writing about uh, that I was curious. But uh, I, the reason why I want to bring this up is because Kevin and I found a podcast that was 10 to 15 minutes long per episode. And so um, if you've been on UT campus, you know, it takes about like 10 to 15 minutes to walk from West campus where all the apartments are to your class. And so that 10, 15 minute window is like perfect for one episode. And so I was thinking like, do you guys have like a, a favorite length of episodes or um, how, how do you guys like write or how do you guys listen to uh, podcasts? Wait, is it called the Curiosity Wait, what's the Chronicles? name of this podcast? Yeah. Curiosity Chronicles. It's Sahil Bloom's podcast. Oh, you know okay. okay. Is, is he yeah. just reading his newsletter? Uh, he might be, yeah. His, so. his newsletter is by the same name, I think. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Was it that was a question for us. our audience? Or, yeah, or for us? <laughs> well, why don't you guys answer first? <laughs> well, yeah, I think okay. like when a podcast is that short, like 10, 15 minutes, um, at that point, like, well, in Curios- Curiosity Chronicles, he is just reading from a script. And, like, that has its own benefits and stuff. Yeah. But it's just, like, if you're looking for more of, like, an open-ended discussion between, like, multiple people, then that may not be, you know, like, the best. But then you have to divvy yeah. up your time, right? You have to, like, listen to it, like, for 30 minutes and then get off, do something, come back maybe, like, a day later and listen for another 15 minutes. And then at that point, you have kind of forgotten, like, what's gone from the first, like, half but i mean it also gives you some time to like let this the, the content soak in let yourself like really really like process it and then come back and like process more oh maybe it's just me yeah. i haven't been like, i agree I with kevin like, think about the podcast after <laughs> yeah you should probably think about the things but uh no i agree with kevin like for me it depends if, if it's an if it's a conversation kind of podcast like maybe like this one or my favorite podcast not overthinking is basically just like discussing a topic that's interesting i think those should be like as long as the conversation is interesting so that could be like 30 minutes but if if it's if you can have like a seven hour interesting conversation like i would listen to that in terms of like more produced podcasts maybe like like saho bloom is basically like if he's reading off his newsletter it's basically like um an audiobook right or yeah. things like this american life which are like they're heavily produced like kind of storytelling podcasts i think or the, the journal could, yeah yeah something like that probably like between like 30 minutes and an hour is, is pretty good because any longer and you're kind of getting to like oh like is this a book or something um but <laughs> you know 30 minutes 30 minutes to an hour is like a good enough time that you, you the story can actually be good we were thinking i was thinking what would it be like if we had an like a, a, a extremely long podcast like seven eight hours and was thinking like you know the day before winter break when we're all done with like finals and everything maybe we just sit down for like eight hours <laughs> and just have i don't know would you guys be down if you're up for it um i think yeah. i think we are not as interesting or like we don't have as many experiences in stuff to talk about yeah. as like lex, lex and yeah. Bology. um yeah i think we would but also they're not like, like good eight friends. hours but 
Okay, that's true. Uh, another thing is like Apology yeah. and Lex aren't good friends, and he has like everything planned out to like what he's gonna say. I'm thinking of like, what if we made an eight hour long minimally edited podcast where it's just like us talking, and so like, like a live we can talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a live stream <laughs> conversation, and you know, like we're kind of if you if you force if we force ourselves to like talk for that long, I think there are some interesting perspectives that you know we might be able to learn from each other that we haven't like learned. Maybe that takes like two, three hours to crack. Yeah. But by that, like by those like last couple hours, either we'll be like completely fried and just like sit there st- staring at each other, which I think <laughs> will be pretty entertaining. Um, we should definitely make that one like a, a video on uh, video like podcast. Um, okay, but I, I think it, it could could produce some easy, uh, interesting results. Yeah, that'd be interesting. All right. Yeah, let's talk about a little bit more about this after because we've been recording for quite a while now. This is probably going to be a long podcast. Don't know if anyone is going to listen to the end. But if someone is listening right now, I do want to show something. Uh, by the time this episode is live, I will have published a uh, blog post. It's called Camaraderie at Scale. Uh, it's like my magnum opus. It's, it's probably wow. pretentious to say that, but it's like a. I, this is one I'm actually kind of proud of. I think I've worked pretty hard on this one. Like I actually sent it to people and got like drafts and stuff like that. And I think it's like a really interesting idea. So if that sounds interesting, uh, you should ch- check it out. It's myname.substack.com. So elichan.substack.com. Camaraderie at scale. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're plugging ourselves though. No, you know, while you're at it, the sponsor of today's video. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, this is a good episode. Hopefully, everyone learned something about dating and uh, thought it was interesting. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, one more thing. This is not a sponsor plug or anything, but if you have comments or like feedback or thoughts about this podcast, DM DM our Twitter account. It's minimally edited, or send me an email. All the information's like in the show notes. We actually, I'm actually kind of keen to hear what people think about these podcasts. So if you have feedback, uh, send us a message that way. Or if you know me in real life, just like shoot me a text message or something. Okay. Yeah, that goes uh, for yeah, me or Chris it. as well. Um, but <laughs> Kevin, Ryan, thanks for being our first guest. Do you guys have Thank any last words that you want to leave the audience members with? I'd love more of these. This is fun. This is fun. All right. Yeah. It is. Oh. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's a good chance to share things that normally things like you don't really talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's actually what I, what I want this to be like. When, when people listen to this, I want them to be like, <laughs> I'm talking a lot now, right? But this is all good stuff. When people listen to this, I want them to be like, wow, like, it's like I, I'm part of a conversation that I want to have, but that I feel like I can't really have with the, the people in my life yet. Um, but yeah, that's it. All right. See you guys awesome. next week, hopefully. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Peace. Bye-bye.